Welcome to the Follow Me podcast, where we hope to have conversations that equip you to evangelize and disciple in your context. Today, we have Pastor Mark Eaton with us, so thank you for being here, Mark. Sure, you're welcome. Um, I know many people in our congregation know you, but we hopefully have listeners from outside the congregation as well. So to start off, I just want to have you tell a little bit about yourself and maybe um, give a brief intro of how you got into missions. Okay. Well, uh, my wife and I have been married for 42 years. Julie is her name, and we have two adult children that are married, and our daughter is adopted with her husband, of course, uh, four children. So they range in age from 7 to 17 at this point mm-hmm. in time. And uh, it's been it's been good. So that's just a quick little synopsis of, of us as a family. As far as um, when I first really kind of started getting a heart for missions, it actually was years ago here at Porterfield before I was ever in ministry, before I ever thought about being a pastor. I was a member here at the church and um, the pastor at that time was Steve Schmidt. He has just since passed on, mm. but I learned so much under his ministry and his time with us. And I remember he challenged us in one of the sermons. He said, there are many of you who have been followers of Jesus for several years, but let me ask you this, how many people have you led to Christ? And it got me to thinking, yeah. and he said, you know, really, if we're followers of Jesus, we ought to be uh, sharing that message with others and helping them to come to know Jesus. And he said, my concern is there are many people who have been Christians for years but have never led one single person to, to yeah. Christ. So that really got me thinking. And then um, we had at church a missionary speaker, Lou Filo, who at that time, him and his wife were in France. And okay. he was talking about how in that country at that time, Christianity was on the decline. But he showed pictures of individuals that he was ministering to and families, and he asked us to pray for them. Mm-hmm. And God touched my heart, and I took that literally. And so I began to pray for those families that he was ministering to, he and his wife. And God just used that to begin to open up my heart more to not only sharing my faith in Christ with my neighbors and people in the community, but also to pray for those across the ocean and other mm-hmm. countries. Yeah. So that's kind of how God started stirring in my heart for okay. missions. Yeah, I think that's a, a good um, kind of introduction because we're all about trying to just give simple ways for um, people to engage in evangelism mm-hmm. because they, they have a lot of fear sometimes, um, and we just want to help overcome that. So... Um, yes. Yeah. And, and so that was me still mm-hmm. kind of is, I mean, even after all these years, you know, I, I yeah. tend to be a little bit backward. I know people find that hard <laughs> to believe, but in public settings, I am just fine being quiet yeah. and not, uh, doing a lot of talking one-on-one's a different story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so after that message and God was convicting my heart, I thought, you know, a lot of people in my neighborhood, maybe they don't even know that I'm a Christian or yeah. maybe I don't know what their faith is. So I did the typical thing that probably wasn't the best approach, but I prayed about it. I felt like God wanting me to do it. So I purchased some uh, gospel tracts that just mm-hmm. shared the gospel message. It was like the four spiritual laws. Yeah. It wasn't something cheesy. Um, I thought it was pretty well done and straightforward. And 
rather than going and sticking them in people's doors, which is impersonal, <laughs> I would just walk around the neighborhood during uh, nice days. And if, yeah. they, if people were out washing their cars or mowing their lawns, I'd just say hi to them and start up a little conversation of how are you doing? Mm -hmm. We would talk a little bit as neighbors. And then I would usually give them a track and just say, hey, this is something that's important to me. And I just wanted to share that with you about my faith in Christ, told them where I went to church. And that was it. It was very yeah. low key, low pressure. But I felt like it was one way that I could begin to open up and share uh, my faith a little bit with yeah. others. So again, that was kind of the start of it. And this was before I was ever doing youth ministry <laughs> or being a pastor or anything, just uh, wanting to follow Jesus yeah. and do what he wanted. Great. Um, so I invited you specifically here today because of your tenure as a pastor mm -hmm. um, and just some of the studies that you've done. And I want to kind of dive in a little bit to the biblical basis of evangelism, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think, you know, I'm not a missionary, so I don't have to share the gospel. But really, <laughs> right. um, there is biblical warrant for any follower of Christ to share Jesus and his message. So um, I just think that sometimes evangelism and theology can get separated when really that's not um, how the Bible paints it in the picture right. from creation to the end. So um, I guess my first question for you is, how do you see evangelism rooted in the creation story? Yeah, so that's a great question. A lot of times people don't think of it in, in those terms, but just so first of all, just think about what does the word evangelism mean? Mm -hmm. So that the first part of that evangel, it, it, it means to proclaim, to have a message, to teach or to preach or to share. Mm -hmm. um, and so what is that message that we're sharing or talking about or proclaiming? And really it is a message of redemption and reconciliation. It has to do with a relationship with the one who created us, with God. And so we see that, of course, in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, talking about God creating us uh, and then the plans that he has for us to be in relationship with us. And of course, it talks about how Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God and then that broke that fellowship. Mm -hmm. They had a sense of shame and uh, wrongdoing. So they tried to cover their nakedness. They realized they were naked and uh, God created them that way. It was in innocence yeah. and, and it was all good. But when they disobeyed God, they they couldn't quite put their finger on it, but they knew something had changed yeah, something in the dynamic. Was off. Something mm -hmm. was off. So they felt ashamed. They they tried to cover themselves with the things they had available. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some leaves, fig leaf, uh, pretty big fig, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the point is that was their effort to try to cover their sense of shame mm -hmm. and, and they didn't really know what was off. Well, God loved them. And so he confronted them in love, told them, hey, you know, I warned you that this would happen when you disobey me. And then God did something that um, the scripture says that he covered their nakedness with the skin of an animal. Mm -hmm. So there's an implication there that an innocent animal had to die and blood was shed in order to provide this covering for Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this was God's way of trying to teach them what he was going to do in this ultimate plan for us as human beings was he was going to provide a sacrifice himself to cover our sins and to bring us into into relationship with mm -hmm. him. So this maybe seems like kind of a lengthy answer, but the point is, 
so that is the message. It starts back in Genesis that God has never stopped loving us, yeah. even though we disobey him still to this day. He absolutely loves us, and he has done something about that. He wants to provide this redemption, this reconciliation, so that our sins can not only be covered but forgiven and cleansed, and we can have a relationship with mm -hmm. God and a relationship with each other that, that is good in the way he intended. Yeah. So, um, again, that is the message that starts back in Genesis, and we are to proclaim that. In fact, Eve... Um, well, just a couple of verses there. Genesis 3.21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So mm -hmm. again, this shows God's compassion and love. Even in their disobedience, he wanted to show he still loved them and cared yeah. for them. And then later on, um, when um, God asked for them to bring an offering before him, we know Cain and Abel, the two brothers. Abel brought a, an offering that basically involved uh, an animal being offered and, mm -hmm. and bloodshed, um, which sounds kind of gruesome. Yeah. But this was what he wanted to offer because he was raising the, the sheep or the livestock, and that's what he offered back to God. Cain offered something from the land, which didn't, it was, uh, you know, grain or whatever the mm -hmm. offering was, because that's what Cain worked with. Well, in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, it says this, because God accepted uh, Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering, mm -hmm. and Cain got upset with God. Yep. And it says this in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But uh, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. I think that's really significant because God was teaching Cain, hey, I love you and I've provided a way for you to come into relationship with me, but you need to do it my way, mm -hmm. just not whatever way seems convenient to you. And he was trying to correct Cain in that. And rather than Cain being humble and saying, okay, God, you're right. You know, I'm sorry, I'll mm -hmm. do it your way. Cain got prideful, he got angry. And he took it out on his brother, Abel. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we know he murdered him. Yep. And God had even warned Cain, you know, sin is crouching at your door, if it, but you can, you can have mastery over it. The implication is we come to God, we get reconciled, we can live a victorious life. It's not yeah. to say that everything's going to be wonderful and good, but in Christ we find, or in God, of course, we know the New Testament, that's yeah. coming up through Christ, <clears throat> but we have that reconciliation. All that to say... This is good news, mm -hmm. and this is what evangelism is. The message that we are proclaiming is good news, that God loves us. He's provided a way that we can be in the right relationship with him, and that's what he wants us to proclaim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so when you're talking about things like sin and redemption and, and being covered, are there themes that you see throughout the Old Testament that foreshadow our part even today? Um, in evangelism? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God uh, set up the sacrificial system as mm -hmm. an object lesson, even with the tabernacle and the concept of the high priest and the sacrifices that were to be offered and all of those things was an object lesson that God was giving to us 
to help us understand how we can enter into his presence and enjoy mm -hmm. a good, close relationship with him. But it needed to, to happen a certain way and it needed to come through a process. And um, so, again, this was what was taught in the Mosaic Law. Um, it was proclaimed and people need to be taught it to understand those concepts. But we know that the law in and of itself is not what saved people. Mm -hmm. um, it was the sacrifices that were offered, which ultimately is pointing to the sacrifice that Christ would make for yeah. us. But, but we see that even beginning before the sacrificial system was introduced, when God called Abram to leave the land mm -hmm. where he was living, God was beginning to say, I want to work through a certain group of people to bless the whole world. And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it's like, <laughs> Abram, I'm starting with you. Yeah. And so we see that in Genesis 12, 3, when God spoke to Abram and called him to follow him to a land that he would show him and give to him and his descendants. Mm -hmm. He said, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Yeah. So there again, there's this good news, this evangelism, this there's good news. I'm going to do something special through you and your descendants. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, as we read the New Testament, we know that that came through the line of Isaac and um, ultimately the nation of Israel, yeah. and which is the line of Messiah that he would come through. And so along those lines in Isaiah 49, 6, we see where the prophet Isaiah is talking about the Messiah who would be coming, who would be this blessing to the whole world. And Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 49, 6 about Messiah. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So again, God's plan was not just for the nation of Israel and Abram's descendants through them, but it was for all people through Christ who would come through that line and then pay the price not only for the Jewish people, but for the non-Jewish people, mm -hmm. which are Gentiles. That's what a Gentile is if you're not Jewish or yes. a Gentile. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that like even in the creation story, when you're seeing Adam and Eve, they're given their mandate, right, mm -hmm. um, from God, and he's saying, go and multiply. Obviously, there's there's a family implication in that, mm -hmm. but when you see the grand scheme of the Bible, too, there's a commission aspect to that. He's telling them, you know, go multiply, make people who are going to be relationship in relationship with me, mm -hmm. um, and, and lead them in that, and obviously... Old Testament shows straying and straying <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. time and time again. But then when you get to the New Testament, I think there's kind of a new picture of, of this commission that we're given that you're kind of talking mm -hmm. about. So are there any key, I know Matthew 28 is, right, is yeah. one of these, but what are some key passages in the New Testament that um, kind of point out this commission to evangelize to us? Yeah, well, again, like you referenced, Jesus, uh, it's recorded in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We refer to it as the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. That word's not in that passage, but that's just what we refer to it. And I always like to call it the Great Co-Mission. I like to really divide it up Co because, yeah, because yeah. it is, it's a cooperative mission. It's, it's something we're not meant mm -hmm. to do alone. We're to do it with others and, and in community. And you're not alone in this thing because as you, as you evangelize or as you, give this good message of God's redemption and his love for us through Christ, 
Um, number one, God is helping us do that. His spirit is working in and through us. Mm -hmm. So we have his help, which is the most important. But then again, we do it with other people who mm -hmm. are sharing this message and this experience with us. So yeah, Jesus gave that command that uh, I'll read it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Obviously, he didn't mean force mm -hmm. them when he says make disciples. He means to develop, to teach, to proclaim, and then people will want to join in. But go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So again, it gets back to this choice of obeying God, obedience mm -hmm. to living a kind of life that honors God and does his will on, on the earth, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I love this part, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Mm -hmm. So Christ, again, is reminding us that his spirit is always going to be with us as we go in his name and as we trust him and we're sharing his message. It's mm -hmm. his spirit that is guiding us. Yeah. Of course, we have in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that going into all the world, absolutely, is what most people think of mission work. Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to a culture different than ours and right. proclaiming. But as we know, I firmly believe that all of us are missionaries. Mm -hmm. It's just, where are you being a missionary? Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I jotted this down when he was talking to his, to his disciples. He said in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they lived. Mm -hmm. It was their hometown. They started where they lived. So mission yep. begins in your hometown, where you're at right now, where you live. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, which was, of course, the surrounding area. Then mm -hmm. Samaria was the northern kingdom that was starting to get out there with people that lived differently yep. than the Jewish people did. And then he spreads out from there, from Samaria into the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So we're all missionaries. We start in our own homes and in our own communities, but then it, it doesn't end there. It spreads out. Right. And so. I think that kind of plays into the way that it flows most naturally too, because if we're just going to go to a different country and share the gospel, we're not going to understand their culture, exactly. some of their um, language or even uh, their social cues. We're not going to understand even those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so we could easily offend them. So yes. start where you are, practice where you're at, get very fluent in it, and then like slowly expand your reach. Yep. Um, it's just a good model it's the perfect model because that's what he commanded but um it's a practical one at that too i think so yeah just in the example you gave when you go to a foreign culture you don't ask that culture to become like your culture right. so they learn the gospel you learn their culture and you share the gospel in mm -hmm. that setting in america today as we all know this country has changed so much in the last 50 years mm -hmm that if we're using methods to share the gospel now that we did 50 years ago, we're missing. We're not seeing ourselves as missionaries. Mm -hmm. This is where I say we have to see ourselves here in America as missionaries to our own culture. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be like the culture or become absorbed into the culture, but you have to understand the right. culture to know how to communicate and connect with the culture. Yeah. 
And that's why we do have to be wise in seeing all of these cultural changes. And even though they make us uncomfortable, or it may be like, well, that's not the way I was raised. We need to learn this new culture and learn to speak that language mm -hmm. so that we can share the gospel in that Yes. In that culture, in this culture, in a way that connects with people. Yeah. The gospel never changes. Right. The message never changes. How we communicate it mm -hmm. has to. Yep. How we deliver it. How we deliver that's, that's it. That's exactly right. Same yeah. way. Same way. Well, here's a kind of a, an obvious one. Uh, we're not forced to learn Hebrew and Greek mm -hmm. so that we can read the word of God and be saved. The Bible was translated into our English language yeah. so we could hear that message. Yeah. The message didn't change, but it had to be delivered in a way that we can understand mm -hmm. it. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. So as culture changes, we have to continually be open to adapting to that culture to share that unchanging message of Christ mm -hmm. in a way that connects with people. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think uh, something else that was really important in what you said, especially because you um, read Acts 1-8, and it was talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit really is key to us being able to find the right words to say in yep. those moments or be yep. bold <laughs> yep. when we are fearful. Um, so kind of give your perspective on how the Holy Spirit is important in evangelism. Well, that's a great lead in because like one of the passages that I think about, and it's helped me a lot when I share my faith with people, or even when I preach uh, or teach, because we can feel a weight of responsibility, like, what if I don't say the right thing? Mm -hmm. Or what if they ask me a question that I don't know how to answer? Uh, what if they don't accept Christ? Have I messed something up, you know? Um, I think those are all thoughts that we have, mm -hmm. whether we dwell on them or not. We have them in some form or another. And I, I love what Jesus teaches in John 6, 44, his words are recorded. And he says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them mm -hmm. and I will raise them up at the last day. To me, that takes the pressure off of me. My, my job is not the work of the Holy Spirit. My job is not to convince somebody mm -hmm. that they become saved. My job is to share the message. Yeah. My job is to, to evangel Mm -hmm. preach, proclaim, <laughs> evangelize. My job is simply to proclaim the message yeah. and then trust God's Holy Spirit that he'll take that and work that in a person's mind and heart that they come to him. So mm -hmm. it's the Holy Spirit's job and work to convert someone, to, to bring them yep. into that saving knowledge of Christ. It is my responsibility as a follower of Christ, though, to communicate the message. Right. Um, so... That's what's important. Um, another thing that you said there about trusting the Holy Spirit to kind of guide you and what to say, uh, Jesus talks about that in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 through 12. He says this, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Yeah. So... Um, now, he was talking about when you're persecuted, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, and don't, you know, don't be afraid. You're going to have courage and just trust the Holy Spirit to guide you. Sometimes I think there are those who don't prepare properly for mm -hmm. a sermon or a lesson. And they're just like, well, I think when I get up there, the Holy Spirit's going to yeah. tell me what to say. That's just being lazy mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit can lead us in advance yeah. as we prepare. But also he does lead us in the moment. And I know I experienced that in classes that I've taught or in preparing messages. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, there's things the Holy Spirit guides me as I'm preparing, but then in the moment, sometimes he will bring a thought into my yeah. mind that I didn't have before. That's happened a lot during sermons mm -hmm. when I'm preaching. And I'm saying all that to say, just as a follower of Jesus, it, whether you, you don't have to be a preacher, teacher, you could be backward, whatever your personality type, but just do a little bit of preparation work. Understand what the gospel message is and then be ready for that. I'll be sharing a, yeah. a verse about that here in probably just a few minutes. So we do have a responsibility to kind of be prepared, mm -hmm. but then just trust God with right. the opportunity. So. Yeah, I think that part of that preparation too, it, and a vital part at that is just prayer, like yes. praying for um, not even necessarily opportunities because opportunities probably abound more than we realize, but praying for sensitivity to yes. those opportunities yes. because it's easy for one to pop up and then you just ignore it. Yeah. Um, but being sensitive and just able to kind of detect those moments mm -hmm. is going to um, help you a lot more. And I think that that is also a moment where the spirit kind of intercedes for you and they're like, you know, he's mm -hmm. like nudging you. Yes. This is a moment you need to speak. So. Yeah, that's really good. I appreciate you sharing that too, because again, just back on my experience years ago, Again, I go back to my personality. I am more of an introvert, and I do tend to be more backward and, and kind of shy uh, in social settings. Mm -hmm. Again, one-on-one -on -one is fine, but when I get in a crowd, I'm not the person looking to draw attention to myself. <laughs> I'm you know, usually at the back. Of, when I go to other churches, mm -hmm. I sit in the back row like everybody else. <laughs> I just want to sit in the back. And, but anyway... Um, so I used to pray and I'd be like, God, I know I need to tell others about you, but you know, my personality is just not to go up to people and, mm -hmm. you know, start being like, I don't want to come across as being obnoxious or, mm -hmm. you know, brash or whatever. And so I just prayed and I said, God, I, I ask you to just give me an opportunity to talk to someone. Even mm -hmm. Lord, would you just send someone to me? Yeah. Would you send someone to approach me that maybe then I can open up and share? And it was amazing when I started praying that way at the place where I worked at that time at a print shop, lo and behold, mm -hmm. within about a month after me praying that way, I had a guy come up to me. And because, again, I didn't, uh, I wasn't preaching or anything, but they knew I went to church. They knew I had a faith in God. And that's what the, this guy came up to me and he goes, hey, Mark, uh, I know you're religious and I just wanted to talk to you for a minute about something. And I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, I didn't like being called religious, but uh -huh. I'm like, sure, what's up? And then he started talking to me about a problem he was having. Uh -huh. And I'm just, and in that moment, I, I started to get a little scared. And it was like, God reminded me, uh, you asked for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I felt the Holy Spirit like, uh -huh. okay, here's your chance. Yeah. And it was, I, it's not that that person accepted Christ in that moment, uh -huh. but seed was planted, mm -hmm. a conversation was had. And yeah. I, I really sense God's presence in that. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of sowing seeds, um, I think a lot of people think that just because they aren't a missionary or a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or something, they don't have a responsibility to share the gospel um, because they maybe don't have the title along, mm -hmm. along with their role. But I feel like there are just so many um, passages in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, that are pointing everyone in that direction yes. of this is a reality for you, whether you're um, 
mom, dad, just a worker at a printing company, preacher, whatever, mm -hmm. um, whatever your vocation might be, you mm -hmm. can still share the gospel. So what are some of those metaphors or pictures that we see in the New Testament? Um, maybe like sowing seeds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that is, I mean, Jesus told that parable about, you know, a farmer or a sower went mm -hmm. out to, to sow seed and they were casting their seed on the ground and he talks about some of it fell on rocky soil and shallow soil and then some of it went in good soil mm -hmm. and bore much fruit. And the, the and again, that metaphor is it's the word of God. It's the message, the evangel, the mm -hmm. proclaiming of the the message of Christ and uh, the forgiveness of sins and all those good things that God has provided through Christ. So we need to be spreading the word of God, spreading the seed. Again, it's up to God how he uses that in a person's life. And I think we need to do that on a continual basis and people need to hear it on a continual basis because we go through different periods in life where we're more receptive to it than yeah. at other times. Yes. And um, so, uh, it's just like the, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, he says, I planted, mm -hmm. Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's our job just to do our part. I was just talking to someone the other day, um, I can't remember who it was, but they were telling me about an individual who was a truck driver. And he stopped at a gas station and he was going through a hard time. And he stopped at a gas station, he, he got gas, he goes inside to get something, and as he was leaving, the person behind the counter just simply said, God bless you. Mm -hmm. And when he walked out, he got in his truck, and that stuck in his mind because he was going through a tough time, and the fact that the person behind yeah. the counter cared enough to say, God bless you, mm -hmm. he got a couple miles down the road, and the Spirit started convicting him, and he pulled off the side of the road, and he prayed and he invited Christ into his mm. life. Wow. Simply because somebody said, and that person that said it has no clue yep. the impact that had. And of course, he obviously had heard the gospel before right. that person said, God bless you. Mm -hmm. But that was the final catalyst that got A little used. bit of water. Yeah. Yes. And there's this kind of old saying, uh, I may not quote it exactly, but it goes something like, it takes 21 people to lead someone to Christ. Mm -hmm. The first person that shares the message thinks they did nothing, and the last person that shared the message before the person came to know Christ thinks yeah. they did everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the fact is, it was God using each person along the way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely true. It takes so much time to um, nurture that kind of belief, I think, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a spur of the moment decision. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it sometimes is, and yes. that is, you know, a glorious moment. Yeah. Um, but in reality, a lot of people, they fight internally before they make that decision. So, yes. yeah. And this is why I think it's important when we're praying for family members, loved ones, mm -hmm. co-workers to accept Christ, to not give up. Like, I think some people, they get discouraged because they're like, I've told this person over and over and they, they still haven't accepted Christ. It just seems like they don't get it. Just keep trusting God uh -huh. with that. Don't give up on them. God, God is working them through a process and we just need to be faithful in, in loving them and sharing the gospel with them and living it out in ways that's beneficial, mm -hmm. not constantly harping, condemning, you know, pointing out faults. Yeah but just pointing to Christ and yeah. just trust that he's going to use that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, that's good. Um, another, I think, metaphor that we see a lot, or and you kind of alluded to this in the, the passage you read about Abraham, but when he was saying, like, be a light, we're hearing this, this metaphor of be a light to the world, to the nations, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so that's another one. And then salt. Yes. The, the salt, um, you know, if it loses its flavor, then... What good is it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jesus, right. Jesus is the one that taught that. You know, you're the light of the world, so don't mm-hmm. put it under a, a bowl or a covering. Right. Let it shine. And the salt, again, it, it has positive properties. Mm-hmm. And if it loses those properties, it's no longer any good as to, you know, cast out and yeah. trodden underfoot of mankind. And, you know, some people have felt that was like a reference to hell and to punishment. Um, but he was talking about a practical purpose there. If, yeah. if salt loses its saltiness, then there's no effect anymore. Mm-hmm. So people aren't going to appreciate it. So his yeah. encouragement is let's continue to make a difference for yeah. good in the world and yeah. through his Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think another um, good picture is when you're thinking about fishing because Jesus is saying, I'll make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Um, come follow me. And he chose Peter. <laughs> to yes. be, you know, the person who really helped start the the church. And he was just a lowly, uneducated guy. Uh, he wasn't mm-hmm. a preacher. I'm sure right. he had a lot to overcome before he was able to fluently share mm-hmm. uh, Christ with people. Absolutely. And I know you love to fish. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, and then, and then also, um, there was that definite analogy. Um, there's also one of the things that I think really speaks loudly to the fact of, okay, this evangelism thing and this witnessing for Jesus is not just for the first generation of disciples or for the religious professionals. Mm-hmm. In, in uh, Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus' words are recorded and he was talking to his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. To me, that's one of the strongest statements that Jesus was making, yeah. that we all have a part in being out in these fields and harvesting, which mm-hmm. is sharing the gospel so that people can come to faith in Christ, come into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus said, we need to pray that others will join in this. So there's a call, I think, yeah. for all of us to join in that harvest work. Yeah. So speaking of Jesus, how was he kind of the perfect example for us in um, evangelism and, and sharing the good news? <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the perfect example of every number one. He he came into the culture like mm-hmm. one of us. So again, he assimilated into the culture, but yet he retained his deity, mm-hmm. his 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 perfection, his sinlessness. He proclaimed the message. He demonstrated love. He met needs. He met people where they were and helped meet that need. And then as he met that need, he shared this good news Mm -hmm. um, so that they could see that it was very practical and connection. Um, So he connected people with in that way. Um, He spent time in prayer. He he knew the word of God. He encouraged his disciples to know the word of God. 
I mean, there's just yeah. all of that there. I don't know if that's exactly yeah. what you're asking, well, but it just no. I think a good example is the Samaritan woman, especially because yeah, well, she, okay, yes, she's you know not somebody that a Jew would normally exact, exactly. like have a conversation with, and he goes up to her and he just like starts having a conversation, and then yes. he's he's pulling out these truths, and he's like, how many men have you been married to, and just all all of these things, and she's like. Okay, and he's telling her about the the living water and how she can be yeah. filled for life, and then she realizes that you know he's talking about himself, and so she runs off into the town and tells everyone, and people just came to him, mm-hmm. um, and she was you know not somebody that that he would normally talk to or that you would think a Jew would normally talk to. It was outside of the cultural norm for them. Yeah, they as disciples were shocked, Uh number one, because in that culture, uh, really a a man and a woman wouldn't have been talking at the well with just the two of them. So number one, they were shocked that he was talking to this Mm -hmm. woman because they had left, went into town to try to find some food. And they come back, here's Jesus in this conversation, not only with the woman there at the well, but she was a Samaritan. Who had had multiple husbands. Yes, and and here's, you know, and here's our holy Messiah, you know, mm-hmm. who's talking to this sinful woman. Yeah. And but his heart again was he he loved her and he yeah. cared for her and he was sharing the gospel. Well, and here's what I love about that. I appreciate you bringing that up because not only the fact that he intentionally went into that culture and had that conversation. Again, met her at the well, which was the common ground. Mm-hmm. Everybody needed to come to the well. And so he positioned himself there to have a conversation. Yeah. So that's a good tip for us mm-hmm. in our culture. Where is it? Whether it's the mall, the mall or yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> wherever people gather, <laughs> then you can go there and just look for opportunities, mm-hmm. not to disrupt their day, but just look for opportunities to mm-hmm. connect with someone. But here's what I really like. And this, is, this has only been in the last, mm, well, I'll say the last half of my ministry years. I'll put it that way. I didn't come to realize this with all the commentaries I I read and things, but in John chapter four, verses three and four, it says this about Jesus going. This was before he met the woman at the Mm -hmm. well, but this is what it says when he was leaving Jerusalem and heading back to Galilee. It says, talking about Jesus, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria he didn't have to go through Samaria. Mm-hmm. The way it's worded there, it, it like one translation says something like, he must needs go through Samaria. Yeah. There was another route that the Jewish people normally took to avoid, avoid Samaria. It. And that's the way everybody went. Mm-hmm. But this says he had to go. And again, the intention, what that is, <clears throat> is the intentionality. Jesus was not going to miss this opportunity. Yeah. And, and here's the way I like, this is the way I like to put it. Jesus went out of his way not to go out of his way. Yeah. You know, sometimes we'll avoid situations because it makes us uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And he didn't do that. And so I think that's a little nugget that we can take mm-hmm. that we need to remember. Sometimes we need to go out of our way not to go out of our way yeah. to have a conversation with someone. But again, find that common mm-hmm. ground and then trust God with that opportunity. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and it's... I don't want to say practical because that's really hard when you're trying to like have that internal battle in your mind, especially if you're thinking, oh, if I just take this route, I can avoid that altogether. Um, But 
you know, you have to go out of your way to not go out of your way. Um, that's just kind of a good, a good way to put it kind of Mm -hmm. intricate, but, um, so I guess in closing, do you have any practical advice for how people can put these passages, um, into practice, whether it's, you know, multiplying, being a light or just sharing the gospel, um, like, how do you do that in your normal everyday life? <laughs> How's it <Yeah>. simple? <laughs> well, it's not. It's not simple. Uh, it's not easy, and yet it is mm-hmm. easy and simple. If I can say that, I know it's contradictory, but I'll just bring it back to in my own life with my personality type. Sorry if I'm hitting the mic there and making it <laughs> a sound because um, I'm tapping my chest here. But in my own life, because of my personality, the way I am. Um, I just wanted to start out with connecting with people where they are mm-hmm. and to genuinely care about people. So, and and really it's all about our mission statement, our vision statement here at Porterfield, loving and leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's not just some little cheesy slogan that I came up with. Right. It is something that resonated with me that expressed who I was in my inmost being and so when I shared that with the church body years ago and with the church leadership, it resonated with them. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had we adopted this. And it's really, it's been neat to see yeah. how God has just flourished that. We have t-shirts that say we it ha- now. <laughs> well, and it's the three key words, you know, yeah. love, lead, and life. So uh, to your question, it begins with just re- genuinely loving people mm-hmm. and wanting to help meet a need, whether it's as Jesus says, or as it says in the scriptures, you know, give someone a cup of cold water in the name uh-huh. of Jesus. Visit them when they're in the hospital. Check on them. Give them a phone call. Mm-hmm. Say a prayer for them. Whatever it is to meet a physical need or a spiritual need, begin there. So start out with just genuinely loving them, not looking to be a notch in your belt for Jesus. Right. And then start there, because that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. You know, he touched... Uh, the leper and cleanse the leper. He he made blind people see. He met their needs. And then in the course of doing that, then he shared this good news mm-hmm. of who he is yeah. and what he came to do. So it starts there, but then it doesn't stop there. The purpose is to lead them to Jesus. So that's mm-hmm. where you have to at least know the gospel, yep. know what the message is so that you can share it. Mm-hmm. And then you leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit's yeah. work, which Jesus alone brings the life change. So this mm-hmm. is, I referenced this earlier, so I guess this is a good place to kind of conclude this conversation. But this is another passage that I love in 1 Peter 3.15. So this is Peter, the one who started out mm-hmm. not being trained in religious schools, rabbinical schools, but Jesus chose him. And because he spent time with Jesus and he learned from Jesus, the example and the mm-hmm. model, then Peter became a great evangelist that God used in great ways. Mm -hmm. This is what Peter writes. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord or set apart Christ as Lord. So it's got to start there. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. So there needs to be some preparation. We have Mm -hmm. to know what the gospel is, know what we're going to share, be ready to do it. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Mm -hmm. So again, we're not to be obnoxious and brash. We're to be loving, um, but yet confident. Right. 
And to be bold, you can be bold and not be like brash and overbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we do need to be prepared. And the other thing I love about this is he says, give an answer to everyone who asks you. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how I started out. I prayed and I said, Lord, would you please send someone to me? Yeah. And then God did that. I, he gave me opportunities where people would ask me questions. And then right. I could share well, the gospel. And even if you don't know the answer, that's an opportunity just to disciple them more because you can say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll look into it and I'd be happy to talk about it with you more later. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Or, or to even say, you know, that is a great question and I'm going to, I'm going to explore that more and I invite you to mm-hmm. explore it with me. You know, let's yeah. have a conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. And I would say that's a, um, an important part of evangelizing because I think a lot of people think, oh, I share the gospel and then you know, God has to transform the heart, but then, you know, maybe they think they need to move to a different person. Stick with that person too. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't mean you can't start sharing the gospel with somebody else, but you need to kind of nourish that relationship Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm saved. What do I, what do I do next? Um, How do I grow? Mm -hmm. So, and that's just, um, just continuing to plug in with them and, have conversations or, you know, just point them in an easy direction. Oh, use the Bible app or just something to get them started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just easy, practical steps for you to pass it on because ideally you want that person to then love somebody mm-hmm. on a practical ground and mm-hmm. then lead them to Jesus. You want this process to continue. So... Yeah, the first time that I ever, like, really, again, started to step out in faith and and uh, share the gospel with someone was actually a young couple that was needing help with some finances, and they just needed help with some groceries. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was serving as a deacon in the church. But again, you can you don't have to be a deacon to do this. Yeah, if you know somebody has a need, so. I bought some groceries for them. I took it to their home. They were very appreciative. And I said, would you mind if I just take a minute? I I wanted to bring these groceries, but could I just share with you a few Bible verses before I leave? Mm -hmm. And thankfully, they were like, sure. If they would have said no, I would have left. And it would have been, you know, God bless you. It's okay. But they invited me and I sat down on the couch. And I'll never forget, they sat on either side of me. And I had I opened the Bible and I just took them through the plan plan of salvation. Romans three twenty three, uh-huh. all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, you know, Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is death, mm-hmm. but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I just literally and I had in my Bible marked like what verses to get yeah. to next. Basically the Roman road. Yeah. I read it to them. I asked them if they had any questions. At the end of it, I asked them if if they would like to pray. They said mm-hmm. yes. I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your savior? They said, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed with them. And, you know, again, and it was, it, I didn't really do anything other than just, I was prepared, I had prayed, mm-hmm. I did what God asked me to do. And I don't know where they're at today. I honestly don't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but again, in that moment, their hearts were open. Yeah. And... Well, and that goes back to you saying um, about how Paul was saying that he shared the gospel, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. Like, mm-hmm. if we start with somebody, somebody else can pick up. So you don't yes. know who picked up right. that that couple yes. after you know they accepted Christ. And um, 
but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and you've had opportunity to move on to, I'm sure, numerous other people mm-hmm. in, in sharing the gospel. So, yeah. yeah. But um, thanks so much for being here today. I know you have a busy schedule and um, especially with the new role that you're taking on with ABC Ohio. So we just appreciate your time and your wisdom in coming and sharing with um, not only the congregation, but whoever might be listening. So thank you for joining us. And um, we will, are you preaching Sunday? <laughs> will we see you Sunday? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it depends on when they listen to this recording. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm glad to do this, happy to do it. It's, it's what it's all about. And uh, I'm not actually preaching this Sunday as of the date of this recording. <laughs> but I will be preaching the Sunday after that. So now that we've thoroughly confused everybody (laughs) listening to this podcast, uh, Lord willing, I'll be around. Okay, well. we'll I'm going to keep sharing the gospel with the opportunities I have, and I just encourage everybody to do that. Just whatever, at whatever level you can, don't be afraid. Uh, I know it can be scary, but uh, Jesus said, you know, to, to take courage. He's overcome the world. He's with us, so trust him and, And just share the message. Mm -hmm. That's all you got to do. Share the message and leave the rest up to him. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Pastor Mark. You're welcome. Thank you.